0: So this morning, I really wanna share a little more around compassion. Um, Particularly when times are so challenging, how do we open to compassion as a solve or sab? I don't know how you say the word. Um, um, How compassion can be so useful for maintaining sanity in the midst of craziness. Uh, So I really wanna um, explore that more and starting with um, just how we understand and relate to the word compassion in the first place. I know for my own self, I certainly grew up with a very strong notion Of compassion as an I should. If I want to be a good person, I should be compassionate. Something is wrong with me if I can't bring up my compassion in this moment. Um, uh, If I'm going to pull off (laughs) being good, uh, compassion is something that I know how to um, access well. Uh, And if I don't, then something's wrong with me. So I want to invite us to look at compassion in a fundamentally different way than um, that very laden should um, around it. Rather, compassion as a wisdom that allows sanity in the midst of challenging times. So I'm going to start with a short, a small teaching from Shinzen Young, mindfulness teacher Shinzen Young, who I really appreciate. Uh, And he, in describing balance, says this. In the physical world, we say a person has lost balance if they fall to one side or another. In the same way, a person loses internal balance if they fall into one of the following contrasting reactions. First, suppression. So an internal or external sensory experience arises. Something happens either out there or in here. And we attempt to cope with it by stuffing it down, denying it, tightening around it. Pretending it's not there, etc. Second, reaction identification. Again, an internal, external sensory experience arises, and this time we fixate on it, hold on to it inappropriately, don't let it arise, spread, pass with its natural r- rhythm. I don't know about y'all, but I (laughs) absolutely can relate to this suppression and identification. And even sometimes that ping-ponging back and forth between the two, Um, I either am in denial, I can't deal with it, I'm trying to hold that door shut all the way and not even allow um, a little bit of consciousness to the door itself (laughs) leak in, or I get overfixated, fixated, um, over identified, and I can't get rid of it. It's like consuming everything um, and every variation in between, all, all the different levels in between. So he goes on to say, between suppression on one side and identification on the other lies a third possibility. The balanced state of, listen to this term, I really like it non-self-interference, equanimity. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Non-self-interference means I'm open and available to what's here. So equanimity, this third possibility of a balanced non-self-interference, woof! That's, that's um, a, cha- a tall order sometimes, and so we need some pathway that allows us room to move in that direction. That's what compassion is. It is the gateway, the pathway towards that kind of equanimity. So it's not so much a should of how I should be, but rather it is an authentic pathway to balance. Compassion becomes a way of holding whatever is triggering for us without getting lost in it, and a real place of strength that can acknowledge with the strength of an open heart whatever's here. To understand that idea of it as the strength, not the should, we probably need to come back to the word we use. Compassion is the best word that um, I know of in in the English language, Um, but it's not not what we're pointing at um, in this. So if you look at the word compassion itself, um, it actually literally means um, with suffering. So come is Latin for with, passion is suffering. So it's very easy to be misunderstood as a trying to take on the suffering of others, which of course leads to com- um, compassion fatigue, burnout, all of that. And it makes sense that this is the, um, uh, near miss that we make, that we can make with compassion, considering, um, uh, in the Western world, um, uh, the enormous model, uh, influential cultural model, um, spiritual model of, um, the passion of Christ. Um, you know, if you know the, the Christian story, the, the, um, The root of it is um, the image of of Christ taking on the suffering of the world on the cross. In that context of a spiritual figure, that can be this profoundly beautiful means of understanding depth of heart. In the context of us regular humans, That idea of taking on the suffering without the spiritual um, depth of understanding, it's very easy for that image to become confusing and, and become this very typical Western notion of compassion as a should, of how I should be. So I really want to invite us to understand the pathway into compassion a little differently. Um, Not so much as a taking on of the suffering but rather having eyes and mind that can see through the suffering to a different kind of wholeness that is always here. One of the first People I ever heard um, articulate this in a way that made me understand a different possibility of this word. Let's take Matt Han on a retreat a number of uh, many years ago. Actually, I was I was on retreat with him, and he was talking about um, the Buddhist concept of the word karuna. So, in Buddhist um, um, psychology. Uh, there are four qualities of heart uh, that are named loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. So that second one, compassion, the, the Pali word is karuna. Uh, and I wish I had the way he said it on that retreat, um, but I don't. Uh, but I do have another quote where he's he's pointing at this same idea. So I just want to share what he says says the second aspect of true love is karuna, the intention and capacity to relieve and transform suffering and lighten sorrows. Karuna is usually translated as compassion, but that's not exactly correct. Compassion is composed of come together with and passion to suffer. But we do not need to suffer to remove the suffering of another person. And, you know, we might not always be able to, or actually rarely are we able to remove the suffering of another person. Sometimes what we can do is be with the suffering of another person. Um, But it doesn't mean we need to suffer to be with them. Doctors, for instance, can relieve their patient's suffering without experiencing the same disease in themselves. If we suffer too much, we may be crushed and unable to help. That's kind of the misunderstanding of that route of, of, um, of that way of understanding um, compassion too much. That I'm taking it on in a way that I don't actually have the resources to hold and I crash down with everyone around me. And like I said, that is compassion fatigue. That is burnout, that's that's what happens when we don't have a broader way of understanding how to be with suffering ourselves, in ourselves, and in the world. So we really need to find an orientation of the heart that makes us stronger, more available, instead of what takes us down. I love um, this little short sharing from Alan Wallace uh, that speaks to this. And I think he does it in a very practical way that points to what this different kind of understanding is. So what he says is, imagine walking along a sidewalk with your arms full of groceries and someone roughly bumps into you and someone roughly bumps into you so that you fall and your groceries are strewn all over the ground as you rise up from the puddle of broken eggs and tomato juice you are ready to shout out you idiot what is wrong with you are you blind but just before you can catch your breath to speak you see that the person who bumped you actually is blind. He too is sprawled in the spilled groceries and your anger vanishes in an instant to be replaced by sympathetic concern. Are you hurt? Can I help you up? Our situation is like that. When we clearly realize the source of disharmony and misery in this world is ignorance, We can open the door to wisdom and compassion. I love the practicality of that example, because we've all experienced moments like that, where we were looking at something one way, and really probably angry, irate, whatever, and then suddenly got a glimmer of understanding underneath. it dissolves I think that's a a fairly common um, experience the thing that we don't pay enough attention to is what happens for our well-being between those two states the unbelievable relief of the dissolving of the anger This kind of orientation just feels better than going around mad all of the time. And when things are really hard, it becomes a radical path to sanity. So I'm sharing another example. This comes from a woman named Eddie Hillensum. She was a Jewish woman. during World War II uh, in Amsterdam, and this is a. There are a lot of writings from her during that period, which are profoundly beautiful. Uh, and you know, she um, ended up in Auschwitz where she died. Uh, but she was able to hold on to a radical sense of sanity in the most challenging of times. So this is one of one of a short quote from one from her writings. I am not easily frightened. Not because I am brave. But because I know I am dealing with human beings. And that I must try as hard as I can to understand everything that anyone ever does. And that was, a re- that was the real import of this morning. Not that a disgruntled young Gestapo officer yelled at me, but that I felt no indignation, rather a real compassion, and would have liked to ask, did you have a very unhappy childhood? Has your girlfriend let you down? Yes, he looked harassed, driven, sullen, and weak. I should have liked to start treating him there and then, for I know that pitiful young men like that are dangerous as soon as they are let loose on mankind. So she was able to see through the painful reality of his treatment of her, to that place where he was simply a man in pain. She knew the importance of recognizing and validating the truth of that pain. Because without that, people become dangerous, people are dangerous. So compassion becomes a way of seeking to understand things at their root that allows us then to get wise about how to be with those roots. And I just want to point out one thing in particular, that ability to hear his pain underneath his actions was enormously soul-saving for her. You know, notice the first line of that passage. I am not easily frightened. That's the salve that is here. I am not easily frightened. That's the strength of the heart that allows us a pathway to sanity in the midst of remarkable challenge. I want to end with a quote from um, somebody named Jacob Holtz. Um, I've shared this before. Uh, It's another kind of remarkable story of um, what people are capable of when they have the strength and the wisdom of compassion to guide us in, in this world. So he came to, he was also Dutch. He came to America, I don't remember, um, I think back in the 70s, something like that. A young hippie kind of guy with $5 in his pocket and a Instamatic camera. And he traveled around the country for five years on the goodwill of others. He simply met um, and befriended uh, stayed with whoever arose on his journey, so you know the muggers in New York City ended up taking him home with them, and he spent two two weeks in the the midst of their drug dealing operation um, um, as a friend. Uh, the Kennedys that he met the um, i can 't remember which branch of the family, but that he met somewhere in Massachusetts took him to their home. Cape Cod, is that where they vacationed? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, he spent time there. He, in the deep south, he spent time um, with people who were basically being held as slaves on the in the Orange Grove um, um, areas of Florida. Uh, spent time in the homes of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, anyone and everyone had um, this just remarkable ability to see through all of the hurt that we humans carry and manifest in tremendously harmful way and connect to the human underneath. Uh, in terms of that coming home, I heard him when I was in college. I, I knew of him. He was doing the college circle, circuit at that time, taking his pictures on this show. And I was very grateful that he was coming to uh, to my college uh, and looking forward to hearing him that night. I was living off campus, went home to my house um, um, for dinner before going to his talk. And of course, one of my housemates who was making dinner that night had met um, Jacob Holtz on the sidewalk, didn't know anything about him, didn't know he was going to speak in college that night, just struck up a conversation. So I go home to dinner and he's sitting at the table (laughs) and and have dinner with him because that's just the way he traveled through the world. Uh, But one thing he said that night that um, has forever stayed with me, it's easier to hate than to try to understand. Huge truth in that. It's easier to let the energy of the triggered reactive mind flood us than it is to seek to see beneath it. But it's actually only a partial truth. It's easier in the short term to follow the energetic path of the triggered reactivity that says, do something, fight, flight, freeze, get caught up and entrapped." But in the long term, it is not easier. It causes us so much more endless rounds of pain and suffering. In the long term, it is easier to understand. It is easier on our systems our hearts, minds, and bodies to seek to understand what is going on, open to that compassionate possibility of sanity, which leads us eventually to the balance of equanimity and knowing how to bring wise action into this world. So let's pause for a moment, and I'm just gonna invite you to consider for your own life. What do you already know for your own self that happens when you can make this shift? Like the person with the groceries who was bumped, fell, The groceries scattered, the initial easy reaction was anger. The felt sense of that, and then the insight. Oh, I get it, and what that feels like. What do you know of that turn for your own self in your life? Thank you.